Welcome to the University Elite Mental Health Podcast, where your host, Dr. Hans Watson, helps you to learn the why behind mental health issues that you or someone you love may be facing. Dr. Watson is a nationally renowned psychiatrist who is also an expert in psychotherapy, a war-proven leader of the U.S. military, and the only person we know to be an expert in psychiatry, psychodynamics, diet, leadership, trauma, addiction, marriage, education, and more. That's why he was the expert that was flown in to the other side of the country to train the therapists treating the victims and their families after the recent mass shootings you heard about in Florida. We are excited to help you to understand the why behind some real life situations. And now, your host, Dr. Hans Watson, D.O. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another podcast by University Elite, where we're here. Uh, you get to sit in on Jerem and I having a conversation and answering a question that was asked to us. So let's uh, let's jump right in, Jerem. Somebody uh, popped on, and they've, they've come to the universityelite.com website, and they scrolled down to the Ask the Doc. So what's our question we, we're talking about today? It is, how do I heal when I have been betrayed in my marriage? What a good question. What a, what a fun topic. Uh, uh, fun for us to talk about, not quite as fun to live through. Um, and so uh, there's a couple of different areas that this could take. Uh, uh, do you know, do they specify in there or do we need to hit both? I can think of two different ways to look at this. The first would be, how does the individual heal? And then the second would be, how does the marriage heal? Did, did they specify in this, or do we just need to hit both or, or something else? Um, they said, how do I heal? But in my opinion, I, I think both are, are, are important to address. Okay, everybody. Jerem has made the executive decision. We're <laughs> going to address both because of that. So, so um, you know, this is, this is a really true statement. I, I remember working with... Um, I remember working with one individual who uh, had had a had a spouse, or uh, there was some infidelity in their marriage, um, and I still remember them saying, "How can I heal from this?" And to the surprise, as I was just young in my training, to the surprise was it wasn't the it was the cheater who was asking how to heal from having been unfaithful. And the cheater had been forgiven. And so it's important to recognize, first of all, it's not just one side that is affected by such a, a difficult thing as betrayal. And so, so uh, that story really opened my eyes up to just how a betrayal um, can do that. And, and um, I guess it's I also that's hard to wrap your head around what yeah. you're saying right now. That, that feels like it was... <laughs> It would be kind of difficult to to understand or to to see that uh, well, when you've been victimized, it's hard to see the other person as any sort of a victim. And and I'll I'll use one simple saying that everybody's heard a hundred times to demonstrate this point. Who is our harshest critic? Right. Okay, that makes sense. And the answer ourselves. is yeah, it's ourselves. Right. And so. Yeah, that you think you have a hard time forgiving somebody else when you can see they've changed. 
but it's even more difficult to forgive ourselves. And so how people react to that is incredibly different. Some people become isolated. Some people uh, become angry. Some people become overly kind to where it's not even natural. Um, other people get into therapy where they actually can receive some help and do it in a healthy way. So there's, there's many different ways they can do that. So, so uh, and then I think we ought to, um, a lot of people immediately say betrayal is something that happens when there's infidelity, when somebody has an affair. It, and I, I want to break Actual that. Actual infidelity. Yeah, I want to break that myth. In my opinion, that's just the most severe form of infidelity and betrayal. But I want to talk about this and talk about it to a level that we can help anybody who is wondering about this to have an idea of where to start and how to uh, improve. So, so let's, let's define that. Sometimes um, uh, betrayal could be as simple as, as a couple who have made an agreement to stick to a budget. What if one couple, uh, one individual in that couple doesn't keep the budget? Is that a betrayal? Yeah, I, I would say so. Absolutely, absolutely, without a doubt. Betrayal simply means my trust has been broken on some level. So as we do this, keep in mind, we're not just talking about emotional, uh, emotional or physical infidelity, cheating and having an affair. We're talking about you had a responsibility because you had given your word to do something. You failed in your duty to do that. And um, sometimes... It can even be betrayal when your partner did nothing wrong, but you had an unspoken expectation and they didn't meet it. And you were sure they were going to meet it. And for some reason in relationships, many people have this belief that the other person can magically read their mind. They don't consciously have that, that belief, but unconsciously they think, I gave you hints all along. Only a blind man wouldn't see this, or a blind woman for that that uh, that case. Okay. So, and, so who's the betrayer in that situation then? Ah, you can be a betrayer without actually doing something wrong because you have not fulfilled something they trusted you to do. Does okay. that make you guilty of doing something wrong? No. But can it still feel like a betrayal to that person who thought, I trusted you to do this and you didn't? Okay. So you're saying that it's not actual betrayal committed by the betrayer, but it feels to the, to the person with the expectation like they have been betrayed. Yes. And that goes back to the definition of betrayal, which is, breaking trust. You had trust in somebody that they were going to do something, that trust has been broken. Okay. So my question real quick would be, what about that person not expressing or not clearly communicating that expectation? Isn't that a form of betrayal as well? Yes. Yes. This is very good. And oftentimes in therapy, that's some of the more advanced stuff we work with people on is you betray them by not expressing what your expectations were. You essentially didn't give them the answer key to what a win was going to look like. So you left them with no option except to disappoint you and lose. And that is a betrayal in somebody that says, well, for instance, if they're married, if I married you, it's for better or worse, you're supposed to help me to see what better or worse for you looks like. 
And if you haven't done that, which most average people haven't, it's only elite uh, relationships that do that, suddenly you can betray somebody by simply not sharing what your vision is and working that out with them. But that's dangerous because if I do that unconsciously, now I'm on the hook and I have a responsibility to then hear your expectations and live up to your expectations. So you're raising the bar. And so, right. yes, sometimes that betrayal is a failure of one party to explain what success will look like to the other party. But that's some pretty, pretty intense, unconscious stuff there. And the reason we avoid it, because it actually makes us accountable. And that's harder than just floating along, hoping happily ever after will happen. Right. Wow. Wow, this gets really deep, and it feels like it can almost be an escalating situation because I, as you're describing that, I'm even seeing other layers of betrayal where if, if one partner says, I want to express my expectations, I want to make that clear, but then their partner is not receptive of that, it's, it's kind of like you're, you're putting yourself out there and trusting that they will um, value what matters to you and that can be shot down as well and it's so, so you're explaining though that um, they should hear what's valuable to them but that also gives them the right to explain what's valuable um, on their end and somewhere you need to work to meet somewhere in the middle and honor those things and, and may not be able to say yes to everything that the other person expects, but that's the give and take you know, of a relationship, right? That's the dance of a relationship. I always call it. So I, I do marriage retreats and marriage seminars and I, I'll, I'll tell, I'll give you a hint. We have one coming up here for, for some people and I'll, I'll tell you about that here in a minute, but I want to make my point first. And that is, you know, in those seminars, I spend a decent amount of time just explaining to people why that vision is necessary and explaining why it's normal that most average couples will never do that. And we talk about the unconscious reasons why, because you got to remember at university elite, I'm not about making you comfortable. I'm about making you so strong that you get to be comfortable without me that you no longer need me in the future. I want you to get so good that you no longer need to see a psychiatrist. And so when you're with me, that is not the time I'm trying to make you comfortable. That's where I'm trying to make you strong. And so one of the things we do there is we explore why people would want to avoid that shared vision because it's a lot more pressure and you actually have to actually then sometimes abandon your family traditions and make new traditions with this person you've chosen to marry who came from a different family. And so you can see how that brings up so many emotions, but I love my mom and dad and the way they did it. Are you telling me that's wrong? No, it just, I'm not your mom or your dad. And you know, we're not going to have an intimate relationship with either of those people. So we have to do it something that's going to work for our relationship, not theirs that worked for them and your family. You're no longer part of their immediate family. They are now extended family. And now if you want to be strong, 
not comfortable at this moment, but strong, then you are going to have to sit down and do a shared vision with me, hear what I am expecting, hear what you're expecting, and then we fight about it. And I use the term fight, not as in be mean to each other, but negotiate and work through until both of you are off your comfort zones and somewhere in the middle where you, you can live with it, but it's worth it because that person you love is there with you. So, right. Wow. It also takes away the excuse of saying, oh, well, I didn't know that's what you wanted. And yeah. so, that, I, that's another reason I could see that this would be hard. You know, I had a, I had a couple, uh, I don't remember if it was late in my training or just after my training had uh, completed. And I had a couple that came in and by this time I had kind of figured things out and I was really starting to hone my craft. And I was, uh, it was the point where even sometimes some of my supervisors, I still remember the one supervisor and I asked a question about this and the supervisor had no clue and said, I don't know, let's both read and come back. And I, I had an idea. And so I talked with my good buddy who he and I had been the ones that had just put our heads together and worked. And we came up with an idea and then I found some actual books on this. Uh, Salvador Mnuchin was a big one and it, we were dead on. Well. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me, I had to sneeze there. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so that couple though, they came in and they, um, they came in and the first thing is I said, I need to know your vision. And in this couple, the gentleman said, okay. And he laid out his vision and it took the full hour. And, and I said, that's fine. The next hour, um, your wife there gets to lay out her vision. And I, I think I was probably the third one to do over the last 10 years to do marriage therapy. And they came back in that second time and they, she laid hers out and he was so uncomfortable having her expectations heard. And she, he just, to be quite honest, um, he was a bit of a spoiled brat and, and he just couldn't handle it. And it was funny, they met with me one more time after she laid it out. And on that time, I kept saying, okay, this fits yours, sir, your expectations. How are you reciprocating her expectations to make it equal? Because in a marriage, it doesn't have to be everything is the same, but you do need equal. Meaning, uh, it may be that I enjoy uh, playing a video game. And so, if I get an hour of video game, well, then she may enjoy shopping. So how is he going to enable her an hour of shopping? And so, so, you know, it doesn't have to be the same, but it needs to be equal. And he could not tolerate that. And you just watched his body and he, he started getting angry and then he started it. And then I got a call the next week saying, you know what? We think we're doing so well, we no longer need therapy. Wow. And immediately, of course, I said, oh, well, would you come in for one more session? And she said, yeah, I think we would. And then I heard in the background, we're not going back there from that gentleman. <laughs> and, and she said, actually, I think we're good. We don't need to come back. Thank you for your time. And I, I thanked them for theirs and said, you're always welcome back. Um, and then they, they ended up not calling back. Uh, right. But you looked at it and what was clearly going on there? They... Mm -hmm. They're struggling with betrayal, right. but they weren't willing to do, one party was not willing to do the hard work of being on the hook to be accountable for what the other person expected. And mm -hmm. so what can I say about that Where that marriage? It was already on the rocks, and if, if it continued like this, it ended. That person would have left the marriage because it was, it was just too hard to be married. I want to be, have my way all the time. So, so you can see how that's a betrayal 
of the marriage because you say better or worse that infers you're coming in so so um interesting how that works out yeah yeah that really is fascinating so with that i guess we we get to the point of saying all right so now we have kind of a view of what a betrayal looks like and it can be anything from i'm failing to give you the the answers to what a success looks like or i'm failing to give you equal privileges from this marriage i'm failing to uh, i'm failing to give you 50 percent of the control we've talked about that before we talk about that a lot in our marriage uh, retreats hey if you want to go ahead and get married and have a healthy marriage not an easy marriage but a healthy and rewarding marriage guess what you're committing to when you get married this is the one a lot of people don't like but sorry this is reality for healthy marriages and that is you are ceding 50 percent control of your life over to the person you are marrying and they are seeing you to control 50 percent of their life now which 50 percent are you going to control that's where the debate happens between the two. That's where you work it out and find out what works for you. And so that's, that's uh, something that, that we talk about in that class. And that is where you start getting in there and you start saying, oh boy, how does this go forward? And so the first thing I always tell people when we're in this marriage seminar, when we're talking about betrayal and how we can heal from it, well, the first thing we have to do, and anybody who's watched the podcast or read the stuff from the website, universityelite.com, they already know where I'm going. You have to understand why that is a betrayal to you. Okay. There will be times where a couple would be willing to share their expectations. They've just never seen an example of such. Right. That, that might mean that their parents worked it out long before they were old enough to observe it. That might mean that their parents never did, that they have parents who are just uh, the types who, whenever they fight, they isolate and run away and pretend the problem doesn't be there. Or parents who just blow up and yell at each other and become very angry and mean instead of working through it and saying, okay, wow, I didn't have any clue that was your expectation. Let's talk about that. Let's navigate. Let's, let's find something, some way of being able to compromise on what the expectation is and so they may come out and they'll say i had no idea but that doesn't make it any less of an, a betrayal to them emotionally and so how can they do that the first way is recognize why it's a betrayal if you recognize why it's a betrayal oftentimes then you'll realize wow this person who has hurt me they didn't try to hurt me they my emotions told me they were really coming after me and they didn't care for me and now i'm realizing it may not have been any of those things it felt that way but maybe they're they weren't quite as harsh as i thought maybe this was just a problem of us not being on the same page with expectations and then that this represented a b or c and then we talk about why does that in individual therapy why would that represent a b or c and suddenly they become oh my gosh it's because of an experience i had when my parents were growing up and that formed this this opinion in me wow that doesn't fit at all to this scenario we're talking about you can see why immediately learn the why that it feels like a betrayal and some of these are going to be obvious okay th this person went and had sex with somebody who's not me <laughs> that right. one's pretty obvious 
but you still need to dig deeper. What does that say? How, what does that mean? What are they saying about you? Oh, okay. And what emotions that bring up? What fears does that, does that wake in you? Do you? And so understanding, first of all, the why that that is a betrayal to you, deeper than just because it's wrong, because my religion says no. No, personally, what does that say about you? What is that communicating? If you do that, that's the first step in being able to heal because then you're able to say this and this, and it's going to give you a benchmark to what, what would be uh, repairing, what they can do to atone for that, how right. they can show you that they are worthy of forgiveness. Okay. And it's not necessarily letting them off the hook or saying, oh, this is okay because it's just the way I was raised to view this wrong. It's actually identifying why it legitimately was wrong and harmed the marriage so that they know what building blocks are broken and where, where the foundation needs to be repaired. And even if it's not a harm to the message, why that was harmful to the patient, to the, to the individual, because maybe they're not a patient. Maybe they're watching this and they're, they're just getting good tips off of here. Right. <laughs> and, and the key there is, yes, why? Because if I understand why that was harmful to you, not only does that help the individual to then be able to uh, check their emotions and see if it's reality or just emotions. And here's a hint. Most of the time, emotions are not very accurate, but they're very quick to come to conclusions. Okay. And then secondly, that allows them then to not only understand themselves, it allows their partner to understand why. They now, once you have that understanding, now they can have some of that share in some of that emotion. And so they're less likely to hurt you because once you share an emotion, if I hurt you, it's actually going to hurt me too because I'm sharing with you that emotion. And that's where it's part of that learning to forgive yourself comes in because now you've hurt the, uh, your spouse who you care for deeply, that's also hurt you. So after you have atoned to your spouse, now you have to atone to yourself. And you, if you don't understand why that hurt them, how are you going to look and say, how can I ensure I don't hurt them again and, and secondarily hurt myself again like this? Right. Okay. And, and so what if both parties, maybe I'm jumping ahead or off to the side here. This is a conversation. Okay. Well, what if both parties legitimately feel like they have been betrayed? And so they're not able to see the hurt that they've caused the other person because they're, they're I don't know, maybe using this as an excuse to say, wait, hold on, don't tell me that I betrayed you. You did this to me. And, and I don't know. How yes. That so that would make you, if you had this type of a situation in your relationship, do you know what that would make you? No. What? Normal. Okay. Every relationship that's fighting to, to grow together experiences this some way. It's not an indication of a good and bad partner. It's not a good indication of a good and bad marriage. It's an indication that, look, you haven't worked everything out yet. Okay. So let's not pretend it means anything more than that until we know the exact circumstance of that. So how do you do that? So the first thing you have to do is if the two of you, if you cannot stand to hear what the other person sees as a betrayal in you, mm -hmm. 
you need to get professional help to where it will feel safe to hear somebody else's critique of you. Because if you're in a marriage, here's the spoiler alert, once again, you are committing to being somebody that has said, I am going to allow you, let me, let me rephrase that. If you are in a healthy marriage that is strong, right. okay. you are committing to being critiqued by this person who you love. And if you thought, I can't stand to be critiqued by them, then either A, you weren't mature enough to be married when you got married, which guess what? Many of us have successful, healthy marriages and we married when we weren't healthy enough. That's why it's called growing up and we never okay. stop. But secondly, you may not be somebody who has learned to trust another person and have, you may not, and, and what is the, the, that foundation of all trust? Self-confidence. So what if you haven't built the self-esteem and that self-confidence enough to be able to tolerate hearing critique of yourself and then be able to say, I'm still a worthwhile spouse and individual, even though I've screwed something up, I can hear that. And I'm not so fragile that I, that I have to defend against that. If you are, don't worry. That doesn't mean anything. It just means you're in that place right there. Get professional help so that you get to a place. And if that therapist, as you know, on the, uh, on our, um, evaluating your therapist, uh, podcast that we put, uh, that we give the secret website to on the end of the, the three false beliefs, uh, webinar that's found on the website. As you know, one of the criteria there is, does your therapist push you to look at yourself? That's right. one of the things that you must do. If, if, if one party cannot look at themselves, it feels too devastating, we'll often see that come across as, no, no, well, you, and, and then the other, well, you, and what they're both saying is, okay, after you hear me, I'm not going to be able to hear you out. This person does not have the maturity to have a healthy marriage. That's kind of a, a brutal truth. And it's not meant to call anybody that many people that have worked with me come out of it on the back end after months. Sometimes it takes them years, but many of them it's months. And guess what? they have developed an ability, at least on some level, to start looking at themselves. So if one party can't, sorry, your marriage can't be healthy, but that doesn't mean it's over. It means time to get to work with somebody like Doc Watson or University Elite where we are actually going to pound that and we're gonna get you so comfortable with being discomfort, uh, in discomfort that you're actually going to realize you're still an okay person even if you're being critiqued. And so does that answer your question or did I talk a lot and make no sense? No, that was fantastic. Okay, good. Now that we bring up a couple of things there. So how do you build resiliency? Uh, remind me at the end and I'll tell you about a resiliency seminar that I'm putting on here shortly. Um, okay. But how do you build resiliency? Well, the, the key with resiliency is you got to work through some things that are hard for yourself. And we did a full podcast on resiliency. I actually went on to the number one parenting podcast and they're releasing, I believe next week, a resiliency podcast that I put on with them. And it's, it's actually really hard to do, easy to explain, but that's what you do in therapy. I've never built resiliency. Help me to do that, doc. And we build resiliency. And it, it doesn't come from the old, do you remember Saturday Night Live? When, yeah. 
I had a guy named Stuart Smalley, yep. and he would say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm handsome enough, I don't remember the exact one, and doggone it, people like me. And do you know what that does for resiliency? What? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> There's a reason they're making fun of it, because bad therapists will tell you that's all you have to do is positive reinforcement, just say good things. No, right. your unconscious isn't stupid. It may not be as smart as your frontal lobe, but it's not stupid, it knows. And so does your frontal lobe. It knows that we have weaknesses, warts, emotional inadequacies. And to pretend to be like, oh, I'm smart enough, I'm good. No, that's just as silly as the Saturday Night Live character. And okay. so we don't do that. In resiliency, it's how do we confront things that we've been avoiding forever? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was just going to say, because I've, I've heard many times in many different places that the subconscious can't tell the difference between truth or a lie that just takes whatever you tell it for a fact. So you're saying that no, in fact, it's smarter than that. It's a little smarter than that. Okay. It's very quick. And, and here's the other thing. Your, your unconscious gets very good at doubting. Those emotions come up very quickly to where they're saying, holy cow, I, I'm wondering if this is worse than it really is. Right. Okay. And so that, that part right there is very powerful. And so anybody who, who doesn't get in there to where they logically can work through that with a therapist, shoot, why would you ever want to do that? That just sounds hard. And what if I, what if I have to come to grips with something that I hate about myself? Right. Well, you have a choice. You can either come to grips with that and realize that it may not be as true as your emotions tell you, or you can have an unhappy marriage, but you can't have both. You can't have comfort right this moment and a happy marriage. Wow. So okay. It, it's kind of brutal uh, when we get in there. And why does this matter? Because marriage is the one thing and family are the one thing that builds our self-esteem, our competency, our uh, confidence, many of our abilities, our cognition. There is, I've not found anything that is a stronger influence on any of those. And so this first one that we're talking about, that we've been talking now for, for many minutes, if you don't understand the why behind it, how are you going to work on the thing that's making you feel inadequate so that you have no self-esteem? Right. How are you going to work on, uh, and then the second part there is, how are you going to learn to do this if you don't go there? And so if you have a, if you have a therapist, and as we've talked about before, if you're a bad therapist, where is the place that oftentimes you will retreat to, per my observation? Um, your own experience? Marriage therapy. All right. Marriage, marriage therapy, because there's extra people in the room we can distract to when we feel overwhelmed. When we've exceeded our competency, now we can just let them fight in the room and act like somehow we know what's going on. Mm. How do I know this? Because I work with the therapists who come to me and say, Doc Watson, I want some peer consultation. And we will, we will take and we will, um, they will talk about what happened in the session. They'll, they'll de-identify everything so I don't have a clue who they are, the patients are. And we'll talk about it. And sometimes they'll even bring in YouTube videos. And we'll watch the YouTube videos. And how do I know? Because they'll say, okay, what's going on right there? And they'll say, I don't know. And then we have to stop and say, stop. 
What's the why behind this person, what they're doing? And they say, I don't know. And we use our whole time just helping them see that. And they say, I had no clue any of this is going on. And when they see the why, suddenly they go, that means he did this because of this. And she responded because of this. And that's their pattern. And then they get in that pattern and they just fight. That's right. So what's the root of the why? The why was because he couldn't tolerate it using our first couple. Therefore, he finds an excuse to not come back. And she's an enabler because she's afraid she has low self-esteem. So she's afraid if he leaves, she'll never get another guy. And so now they do that codependency thing. Mm, right. Can you see there how, how, um, so it's sad, but my experience has been, if you are a terrible therapist, you're going to, you're going to eventually find yourself doing couples therapy. Interesting. Wow. So if you're looking for couples therapy, beware. You need to be very careful who you take. Now, one of the first things you should do is say, is this person forcing both individuals to hear hard things about themselves? If right. they're not, you want to question whether they have the competency to be doing the work with you. Wow. Talk Even, about a betrayal. Yes. And, 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 Sadly, then say, say you're the person in, in therapy. Say you're that young lady who I had late, late in training or early after training. And you're that lady who was willing to come in and talk about expectations and talk about how she may be failing them. And then to have your husband say, I'm not going back because they're wanting you to have equal expectations as I have. And I have to meet them. You tell me she wouldn't feel betrayed on the back end of that when she finally realized he's not willing to meet me halfway. Absolutely. And so oh. you, you see how this betrayal happens. And so if we understand the cause, then we can start assigning fault when necessary. And this is scary for a lot of people. You notice I said when necessary. Yeah. This is incredibly terrifying to many people because what if the person I was assigning fault to wasn't actually at fault for all, everything I said. They were just the ones closest to me that weren't willing, that weren't going to reject me if I blamed them. Hmm. Explain that. Okay. So oftentimes when we're angry and we all do it, unconsciously we know, hey, my wife or my husband is with me no matter what. And I'm so furious with the way they've treated me at work. What do we do? We come home and the wife or the husband uh, leaves the light on when they leave the room. And we've set an expectation. We need to turn the light off when we leave the room so that we're saving the planet, so that we're reducing the power bill, and so that it shows that we are people who clean up after ourselves. We pick all the reasons you want, right? But there's an expectation to turn out the light. And we fly off the handle just absolutely come unglued at them. This is the end of the world. You've left on a light. Right. Actually, that, that happened to me. And that's probably why the, the thought came. I, I came home from Afghanistan, and immediately when the light was left on, I was flipping out. Oh. And my wife was going, I haven't seen you for well over a year, pushing on a year and a half, and I leave a light on, and you were flipping out. And she, it was causing marriage problems. And this was before I was a doctor. And so I didn't have a clue what's happening. And I'm just saying, I know it's just a light left on, but it's important. 
And so we finally went to, to uh, a guy who, who actually did pretty good marriage therapy. He was a chaplain. And he just said, you don't need therapy, but I would like to explain what's going on to you guys for just a minute, because normally I don't know I would send you, but in this case, I do know what's going on because I've spent so much time dealing with soldiers who are returning from war and their spouses. And so he said, this is the one little sliver I've been trained on and I feel comfortable giving you. Let's just talk about it for less than an hour. If you need more than that at the end, I need to refer you to a professional. And we said, perfect. And he hit the nail on the head with this one sliver of an area he was good at. And he actually said, um, to my wife, now, you are probably looking at him going, I cannot believe that you would freak out so much when that baby of yours, I had a little baby who was just, uh, she was four months old when I left, she was two when I came home. So if that tells you. Yeah. And that little baby, when she cried, it just sent me berserk, where I just had to get out of there. And, and then the light switch thing, leave a light on, and it just... It just, and then it was unacceptable that she wasn't taking this light seriously. That was a betrayal to me. So he then talked about that and he said to, to my wife, what a betrayal that he freaks out when that child cries like that. Or that he freaks out when I, I've been doing this for, for a year and a half alone and suddenly he comes home and he's going to get mad at me for just leaving a light on. And then he said, and then we were, we were mad at each other. We were so incredibly happy, and it wasn't like our marriage was breaking apart, but we were angry. We both felt betrayed. So he had the insight to teach us. He said, Hans, you've just come from a year and a half of being in combat. What happens when somebody makes a tiny mistake in combat? And I said, people die. Right. It's life and death. And he said, yes, and your mind for a year and a half has kept you alive by watching for tiny little mistakes because it made a difference on the battlefield. And if wow. the soldiers started crying, what did that mean? That meant they were no longer capable. They were out of the fight. They had become overwhelmed. And now whatever sector they were covering was a place the enemy could overrun us. Right. They become a liability rather than an asset. Yes. Your life is on the line again. Now he's explaining and my wife goes, well, I didn't understand that crying represented there's a liability. We're no longer safe because they're no longer covering their sector. Right. And, he, and did you understand that leaving a light on represented a mistake that could kill somebody? And, and she was like, no, that sounds terrible. Oh my goodness. What have you gone through? And I'll be honest, I had PTSD. Right. So then he said to me, Hans, are you aware she has had to learn to live with you for a year and a half. And she has done a great job and shown you a lot of love. What's it like for her now to have somebody come back in and say, yeah, good job. You did it for a year and a half, but I'm home now. I'm here to take over. And the way you did it, it may not be very good. Wow. I, well, I didn't mean to, I never meant to, to, to communicate this. And, and of course now suddenly both of us in there had completely changed. And I was thinking, I am so sorry for freaking out over crying. I just need to retrain my emotions that crying does not represent an uncovered sector where we're going to die and leaving a light on is not a mistake that's going to result in death. Right. And she then said, I need to be patient when he sees a light left on this. Wow. I, I never had any clue. That's where how detailed his survival instinct had become. 
I could be patient while he learns to flip out less on turning out like, and I'll be honest with you, if you ask my kids, they probably say that I still am, am a night turn off uh, 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 drill sergeant, if you will, and, right. and one-tenth of what it used to be. But yeah. can you see how we, by understanding why that mattered to us, how suddenly neither of us had betrayed the other per person. Right. Both of us felt betrayal. Right. That's what I'm trying to explain is many times in good marriage therapy, we don't need to blame somebody. We need to help them to understand what's going on and why it matters in each of their lives. And now suddenly my wife and I combined a vision of when you're feeling that way, would you pay attention to your emotions and tell me if it feels something dangerous? And I'll work through with you whether this is life or death, whether this is something from Afghanistan that you're, you're still working through. And I said, if it feels to you like I am flipping out about something that is insignificant, will you tell me? And I will work on re reorienting my mind to say, this is not Afghanistan. That's my yeah. past. It's not my present. And suddenly we grew so much closer through that. And I now had an ally who understood me and you wouldn't believe how grateful I was when she then started working with me. Right. And it went from being betrayed by each other to saying our betrayal is not my betrayal is not your fault. But we're going to have to work together to overcome it. I know it's not fair, but I will take on the burden of helping you to become better, even though I didn't cause this. And that made me grow so much closer to my wife. And it made right. her grow so much closer to me that she could serve me in this way. And then, then, then I could reciprocate it. And it, in many ways, it became the start of us uh, trying to always say, I owe so much to you. I'm going to serve you so much and, and make your life so great to where then she's, oh, you want to make my life great? I'm going to one-up you and make your life great. I'm going to serve you even more. And I'm like, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> Can you see why it was uncomfortable for us to do this? and why it was uncomfortable that we lost our crutch of having somebody to blame, but right. losing that crutch was what made it so that we could then grow together and become stronger. And I had to admit that I was freaking out about something that was insignificant. And right. she had to admit that she was neglecting uh, understanding where I was coming from and, and what I had been through. And I had to, and we both had to admit we had fault in this, but neither of us was to blame. Right. The fascinating thing as you're explaining this is I'm trying to picture how this could have gone differently. And what I'm sensing is that you were in your fight or flight mode. You're functioning in the lizard brain. And if someone had just come and said, Hans, that's absolutely inappropriate. That's absolutely not reasonable. That you are behaving in a horrible way towards this person that you claim to love. How would that have affected that fight or flight mindset? Like, they would have felt like a threat and I would have attacked them. Okay. Right. It was only when I got to somebody I trusted like that chaplain, I knew he had nothing but my best intentions. There was no ulterior motive. He didn't make any different money. His job didn't change. His entire focus with everything he does was to help me. 
I, it had to be a trusted individual. It couldn't be somebody else before I could hear that. Right. And so if well, and it, they weren't just saying this is just unreasonable. The, you were de delving into why is this happening and understanding what was going on in a safe place where right. I knew if, if he told me I was being ridiculous, I knew it was a safe place where he would still uh, have brotherly love for me and that he would still see me as a worthwhile individual. So I could hear that. Hmm. That's the key. That's why it must be a competent therapist who, you know, loves you in an inappropriate way <laughs> right? and still sees the positive in you, even if they see your warts and your emotional scars, that's what a good therapist has to establish. And I'm going to be honest with you, a therapist who then betrays the very ethics of doing psychotherapy and chooses a side ruins that they destroy that ability and they can make that worse because now it feels like you're being attacked by a second person and they're probably using their credentials to defend against you pointing out that they are being unfair and attacking you. Wow. Wow. And so that, that's, that's a lot of heat, isn't it? On, 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 here's, the, here's the truth. What have I seen over and over and over? Why is it that people tell me they 30, 40, 50 years not actually, I don't know if anybody's ever come to me at 50 years, 40 something years is the longest I've had it. a couple come to me. And, but what do they tell me? Why is it that I keep hearing? Why didn't somebody tell me this decades ago? After months with you, we have figured out more than anything else. All these multiple providers before told, because the single place where I've noticed that people who have inadequate skills in psychotherapy go to is they get out of being one-on-one -on -one in the room because now it's evident and they need somebody else to distract and they'll go into marriage. Hmm. And this isn't to say there are many good marriage therapists, right? But there are also, you, it goes back to my old saying, there's a lot of marriage therapy out there. And if you look hard enough, you can actually find some that's good. Right. Right. So, so that's where you want that seven point provider to be your marriage therapist, not six, not five. This is way too in depth. There's way too much. You need somebody with a great psychodynamic and systems understanding. They've got to have that. It's necessary. Otherwise, they're probably going to make things worse. I've seen Marin, many marriages that could have survived lost because of this. Hmm. Wow. And how do I know? Because I'm the one who tutors, who mentors these people to get better. And they go, I wish I would have known this. Why didn't they treat it, teach me this? And I, I have to tell them, this is tens of thousands of hours of learning that I'm sharing with you. You're getting right. the benefit of my obsession with knowing what's the why and understanding. I'm, uh, this is good. And so, uh, all right. So does that, does that help us? So first, understand the why behind what it's doing. And then second is we have to understand where the fault lies and that doesn't always land with a person. Right. That's the important thing. And that allows us to then feel like we're not being blamed and hear critiques and change. And it becomes a safe environment in our marriage to do that. Now, sometimes there are things to blame, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have worked with many victims of rape. Okay. Many victims of, of infidelity, many victims of these terrible things. And you know what? 
I've never found one single person that didn't have something they can improve on. That doesn't make it their fault. That doesn't make them less of a victim. But can they grow stronger if they improve something? Yes. I've never, I'll even go one further. I've never seen an affair where there wasn't some sort of betrayal by the victim first. Wow. So, so does that make the affair any less harmful? And does it take away any of that guilt or culpability of that cheater? Not one iota. But it takes two to tango. Hmm. And that's where you've got to establish, you've got to get a good person in a safe environment if you want to find strength and, and improvement in your marriage. If you just want comfort, pick anybody. There's a lot of people that will put you in that comfort cocoon and tell you, who are you? You're a victim. And you may be a victim. And sometimes that's okay. And never push you is where that comfort cocoon is to look right. at yourself and say, okay, even though it's not my fault that I'm a victim, what could I improve? I had, I, here's a simple example. I had one young lady had been a victim of multiple rapes, multiple. Mm. And it was a terrible situation. And I worked with this young lady. And you know what she had a habit of doing whenever she became emotionally overwhelmed? Yeah. Very attractive uh, individual. And she would put on short shorts, a tank top, both of which showed a lot of skin, running shorts and a tank top. Um, and, and then would go running at one or two in the morning in very very dangerous neighborhoods hmm. and every one of her assaults had happened on in nights where that happened wow. so we had to get into the psychodynamics of why would you go running in a neighborhood you know is dangerous in the middle of night other people they've been assaulted multiple times why would you drink in excess at a at a party or something where you know this is a high likelihood and we right. get into that and then we help them we don't blame them that it's their fault Nobody should ever be assaulted. Nobody should ever be harmed. But was there something they could do to reduce the risk? That's what we look at. It's not your fault, but you can improve. Right. Why are you putting yourself in a dangerous situation where a undesired result is potential or even likely? Yes. And so do we blame them? Heck no. Anybody who says they are, no, that's terrible and you're wrong and you should stop. Is it my job to get them strong enough? They don't have to worry that they're not going to be in this situation again? Yes. And that's why we look at it. It's because I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to make you so strong you never need me because the rest of your life is going to be filled with comfort. Right. That's why I do that hard thing. That's why. And so if you've been betrayed in your marriage, I'm sorry. If you want to heal from it, First, understand why it hurts you so bad and what inadequacies that brings to the top. Many times that requires a professional, a seven-point provider. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch our video, uh, the, the Three False Beliefs. At the end of it, we give you the secret website where you get an assessment on how to assess whether a provider is elite or whether they're uh, average or less. And right. point system. So you want to- at universityelite.com forward slash webinar. Correct. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. And so if you do that, and then the second thing there is learn to see where the fault is and be open to the idea that it's not the person. In this case, 
part of the fault with this, the, the terrible assault that happened to those young ladies was that they went running at two in the morning, or the one went running at two in the morning in revealing clothing in a terrible neighborhood. You want to run at two in the morning? Why aren't you running in the, right next to the police department? Right. You know, and, and that was actually one thing we did. It was say, what's a better neighborhood you could run? It was such a simple thing. And then while they did that so they would be safe, we worked on it, we got to it, and that individual ended up realizing some very hard things, strengthened them, and was a totally different person after, after working with me. It was, you, you wouldn't have known it was the same person, just totally different. Um, and so that is why we do this. That is how you heal from betrayal. It's, it's not by talking good enough. It's not by telling yourself you're, you're wonderful. You know, those things don't work. You have to teach yourself and actually have real evidence that you're wonderful. And most of us have it. We just need a professional to help us see it so we can recognize it. And then we need to assign fault where it's at, even if that's not blaming an individual, ourselves, or anybody else. There's always a place where there's fault. And if we do that, you can heal to the point that that it no longer has the ability to derail you and overwhelm you. That, that, and it doesn't take long. It really doesn't. I've seen marriages heal and become stronger after the fact than they were ever before the infidelity. Wow. That's, so did we answer our question here? I think so. So we first need to identify why we feel betrayed, what's going on within ourselves, that this feels like a betrayal and then it's not just the using the depression it's not just oh because it's a chemical imbalance who cares why is there a chemical imbalance so what's the what's the deep why that emotionally we've been hiding so good keep going i'm sorry to interrupt okay no no that's good and then um second i feel like i <laughs> i got so focused on that first one right there Fault. Fault. Yeah, that's right. So um, identifying where the fault lies and accepting that that fault may not be assigned to a person. And then also, uh, you know, uh, that's really important to uh, realize that it may not be assigned to a person. Just because we feel anger towards our spouse mm -hmm. doesn't always mean they did something wrong. Sometimes it means that's the only person we trust enough to be able to give this anger off and know that they're still going to love us. Perfect example we've used before. And I steal this from a wonderful book called Why Do I Do That by a guy named Joseph Burgo. I, I love that book. Um, and so uh, one of the things that he sh shares in there is an example. And then I, I took it to the next step. I went to the deeper why. And he talks about... Um, he talks about displacing anger or projecting it onto something else. And, and he talks about mothers, when they have a baby, they are just absolutely wrecked physically from delivering a baby, whether it's via cesarean section, C-section, or vaginal birth. They're just wrecked. And it takes weeks for their body just to heal up the actual tissues. Right. Secondly... Now, if you have a child, a newborn, who is, who is waking you up every two hours because their body needs nutrients to grow, and so now, now you're tired and absolutely just beyond yourself because you're healing from, from a traumatic experience of giving birth, and second, you are now um, having to interrupt your sleep all day long to breastfeed or bottle feed, whichever it is, 
And third, if you're breastfeeding, what happens if, can that husband breastfeed that child? No. Right. So he can't even take turns with you, much less to say if you have, if you're a single mother, that's a whole nother thing. But right. so now you don't even have somebody to breast, uh, to take turns breastfeeding so that you can get more than two hours of sleep. You rightly have earned every reason to be angry at your situation. Yeah, what a jerk. But it's a complete, well, that baby is causing this situation. Right. No, but I mean, as, as the husband, what a jerk. Well, I'm not helping breastfeed. Yet. We'll get to that. No. Okay. So if we were honest with what's truly going on in our unconscious and our emotions, mm -hmm. that mother is absolutely furious with the baby. Mm. Okay. But she, it's, not, it's not acceptable to be furious to, to a baby. It's right. not their fault. Are, is the baby causing this? Yes. The baby caused the damage to the mother's body by being delivered. Right. Is the baby waking the mother up every two hours? Yes. Right. But it's unacceptable. And I will say right now, it is unacceptable to, to act out that rage on a child. And, it, and it's true rage. It, you eventually will get so tired, it's true rage. It doesn't mean you love that child any less. It does not mean there's anything wrong with you. If at times your emotions are rage towards the child, when you feel that overwhelmed and tired and just exhausted. So what does a healthy wife do in that moment? She displaces that anger and rage onto the husband who's asleep. Is he doing anything wrong by being asleep? He can't do anything to help breastfeed. Right. He can't do anything. Now, if you're like me, I often would wake up and bring the baby to my wife, but is that really helping her to get much more sleep? No, it's nothing more than a, a small gesture that really doesn't even matter. And half the time my wife would say, it doesn't even help me. I have to breastfeed in the chair, knock it off, just keep sleeping. She was wonderful. I married up, let's just say that way. <laughs> but that is a healthy coping mechanism. So now she gets angry at the husband for something how dare he be asleep in there? And the next day when he leaves the light on, what does she flip out at? You leaving the light on, this right. is a big deal. And what she's really saying, and she's not aware of it is, I feel so much rage to that child, I need somebody to displace this rage onto. And once they become aware of that, because I'm a, I, I pride myself on working to be a seven point provider always, mm -hmm. because I can do that, I help the mother see that, and then the mothers actually can talk it out, and their husband grows closer. I am so angry that I have to wake up. I love this child more than anything. I love you. I am so angry right now. And many times the husband says, let me get home, and why don't I take the child, and you can get an extra nap this evening. Right. Hot dog. Right. Notice how understanding that why leads to that. That's why you want a seven-point provider right there. Right. Because when mother becomes aware of this wow now what happens if that husband isn't aware of this and they're betrayed by their wife attacking them for something that was insignificant right or attacking their child or attacking their child not what feeling as now? warm as they want them to right and does that husband does he have every right to say i didn't do something that deserves this attack yes right is the wife have every right to be frustrated at something? And she's not consciously displacing that. That's an unconscious 
thing that she's doing. Right. Is she to blame? Even though she's doing that, is she to blame for what's going on there? No, it's that newborn. Right. But we've now assigned fault to the newborn and said, but that doesn't make the newborn wrong. But now we can deal with it in a more healthy way because we have A, understood why, B, understood where the true fault lies, and that allows everybody to come together and work for each other. And if the couples who I've done that to have worked through so many problems where they thought their marriage was over because of the kids, and then they just realized, actually, this is the closest we've ever been because we're working together. I've never felt closer to my husband or my wife because I can serve them or I'm being served by them. And then I get to reciprocate. You just see how that leads to a healthy marriage and healing from, from betrayal. Right. Absolutely. Well, and as you say that, I feel like betrayal is generally uh, distance in the marriage. One person does something. Well, I guess not in every situation because you're explaining sometimes that it's, it's actually actively engaging with the other person in a way that feels like betrayal, but with the sexual betrayal, um, that always typically it seems to be one person saying, I'm going to go over here. So instead of pulling together and working together as a team, they are going and they're getting um, that emotional fulfillment elsewhere or they're getting the physical fulfillment elsewhere. And so as you're talking about creating a, um, a marriage vision together and communicating in a way where you start to understand why the other person ticks the way they tick. It just, it all makes sense that that would strengthen a marriage and that that's really what the core of a marriage is. And it's just amazing to me that so many marriages don't understand that. And so they, they never land on that tool that would hold a thing together. And, and, and they're just fighting to stay together without that, that common anchor. Yeah. And, and you've hit the nail on the head. There's a reason um, we do many uh, marriage retreats with our couples. In fact, um, we're excited. uh, We're excited to announce for anybody that didn't know down in Utah, we're actually doing a marriage uh, retreat um, first week in August and they can go to universityelite.com and find all the details on there for, for that marriage retreat. And, and we're limiting it so that uh, we can, this is actually one of those where we're actually going to be recording this and using this as part of our uh, online seminars for people that uh, that live in states where we're not licensed uh, yet. Um, right. And so they can come in and, and uh, get a, uh, buy that content online. But um, so we're excited to announce that and we're going to spend a full day going over this. We also have some where I've done uh, marriage retreats where we go really in depth and we actually work through some problems over multiple days and we, we help the couples and they work through things, uh, different things. And so um, those are coming up, but we do have a full day one coming up uh, uh, the first week of August. And, and we're also doing another one in that first week of August on resiliency and how to build real resiliency instead of this Saturday Night Live, Stuart Smalley, uh, right. I'm good enough, I'm smart enough and doggone it, people like me. And, and uh, if you haven't watched that, I would encourage um, it's been years since I watched. I hope it's clean enough that I can recommend it. But uh, but um, 
I remember it being clean, but I don't know that my memory from childhood <laughs> an accurate portrayal. So, but yeah, they, they should look at that. Um, and then, and then it's a, there's only limited seating. So if you are interested in attending one of those uh, retreats, you're, you're welcome to come to where we're holding there in Utah. And, and but you just got to get in early because, uh, they sell out very quickly. Um, and we tend to have couples, uh, we get a lot of repeat, um, because couples just say it helped us so much. And so uh, jump on that early. We're, we're really limiting the seating so that we can spend a lot of time, uh, um, getting some, some of that content onto our website, recording it and stuff. So, right. so uh, both of those, if you're interested in resiliency or, uh, being part of an actual marriage retreat where we go much more in depth to much more of this and help you to understand many more of the whys in a marriage, um, everything from children to getting married to how your parents and the in-laws and all that, it, we cover it. Um, intimacy and sex, communication, it's all there. Um, and so, uh, you could go to universityelite.com and and look in there, and you'll you'll be able to find some information on that. Right, great. And that's going to be a full day retreat, the entire day, right? So the resili the resiliency building seminar, it's going to be a uh, half day, three to four hours, um, and then the uh, the marriage retreat. Yes, it's it's a full day. Plan on anybody who wants it. You better plan on having a daycare for your children because you will be gone in the morning until late in the evening. And most couples, uh, they use this as kind of a staycation, if you will. I have many of them who will stay in a hotel and they'll make a, a, a weekend out of it and it'll be on a Saturday. And so they'll go up there Friday night, stay all day Saturday and not return home until Sunday and, and get a break from the kids and, and actually get some information that to where they learn how to make their marriage go from from average to elite, they, they, they talk about why didn't somebody teach me this 20 years ago? Uh, newlyweds come in and they just say, this is awesome. Everybody knows this and their marriage starts off on the right foot and, and right. they get this stuff. So, so. Great. Okay. So that's uh, actually going to be, you can find that at universityelite.com forward slash live because it's a live event. And um, so all this the information is the will be there. Having my web guy as my conversationalist <laughs> here. Right. <laughs> say that website so, one more time. Universityelite.com forward slash live. And that's where we'll always have the, the current live events um, listed. So you'll find any live events, um, including these upcoming events that we're talking about now that are July 31st and August 1st of 2020. Um, but as we pass that, then they're all live events will be listed at that URL. So now where do we have them? Uh, those who want to buy a ticket to it and, and get uh, pay for the tuition for it. Um, uh, where can they go? I know I discounted this one. It's uh, pretty much uh, literally I, I, I discounted to about a 10th of what we normally charge right. um, because we're going to be videoing it. And so I, I wanted to, give people a chance that normally couldn't afford it to get in on this. And, and um, so where would they go to book all that? I, I have Jerem setting all that up for me. So where would they book that? That will all be right on that page. So universityelite.com forward slash live. And we'll have information about what they'll be getting out of the retreat, uh, what they'll be learning, the materials that they'll receive and all that. They'll also be able to book it right there. And as you mentioned, um, we are filming this, and so we're offering a 
substantial discount, um, but people, uh, you must sign a, uh, a media release form that uh, says that you're okay with if your face shows up momentarily on any of the uh, uh, any of the video, and we'll be turning around and selling the the recorded course of this online for almost the same price as what people are going to be able to be able to get this for live, potentially even three times what we're charging for it live. Um, we're still looking at the, the value on that and what uh, the, the market value is on that. But um, and definitely an incredible value to, to be able to attend live and in person and get all these materials. And, and I'm going to be honest, uh, the demand that I'm getting around the nation is high enough that um, if you think you're going to, if you think this is something that's going to interest you, jump on it. It's kind of like when I go to uh, Sam's Club, if I see something and I really, really want it, I have to buy it then because many times they don't get that back in in the future. Right. And, um, this may be one of those deals um, because we're getting so much demand and I have so many requests going around the nation and I limit how much I'm willing to travel away from my family that uh, you're going to want to jump on this if it interests you. And if it doesn't, that's fine. UniversityElite.com and, and get all the online content or our YouTube page, all that stuff. So, so um, very good. So I feel like we've done that. As, as always, we always appreciate uh, people's questions as they, as they put it in there. If you have a question, feel free to go to UniversityElite.com, scroll down the page and ask the doc um, and submit it. And, and I actually get those myself. And, um, and then uh, if we just may do a podcast for you and, Otherwise, we'll respond to you in email. And so uh, and, and until next time, uh, we look forward to it. And any parting words, Jerem? This has been fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Okay. So until next time, you guys out there, everybody keep doing what you're doing and be well.